Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. This past week, I had the opportunity to go on the John and Kathy show on Word FM. I'm on every month for Ask the Pastor, but they had some of their regular guests come on this past week to uh, talk about Christmas. So I decided that I would talk about the natural worldview, the magical and the supernatural worldview and how that relates to Christmas. And if you were here last weekend, you know where I got the idea because that's what I preached about last week, that there are three worldviews primarily that people have and they are the natural, the magical and the supernatural. And if you weren't here last week or if you uh, weren't here or didn't listen to John and Kathy, I'm going to talk a little bit about those right now because Today's message in the Christmas at the Movie series focuses on Ebenezer Scrooge. The message title is Bah, Humbug, and it comes, of course, from Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. And uh, if there was ever a person who was the poster child for the natural worldview, it's Ebenezer Scrooge. We know him as a greedy, miserly old man, but uh, basically the way he lived is the natural outcome of the natural worldview. And let me explain, if you weren't here. The natural worldview says that all that exists is what we can see, what we can hear, what we can touch, what we can taste and smell. There's nothing else. And if, if that's your worldview, then the obvious goal would be to have the security that can only be provided from what the stuff is of the world. And uh, the, the natural exchange in most developed cultures is money. And so Ebenezer Scrooge thought if he could just accumulate as much money as possible, that would make him the most important and best person uh, because that's really the measure or the standard in the natural world, stuff. Now, the magical worldview and the supernatural worldview are opposed to that worldview. And in fact, as I said last week, nobody is born with a natural worldview. Nobody is born thinking that all there is is what we can see, hear, touch, taste, and smell. Everybody knows when they're little there are things beyond that. In fact, Jesus said, unless we turn and become as little children, we'll never enter the kingdom of heaven because obviously you can't see the kingdom of heaven. And so you're going to have to believe in something you can't see. And that's one of the things it means to be childlike. The magical and supernatural worldviews are also opposed to each other, even though they have similar characteristics from the outside observer. The characteristics are that something exists beyond the natural. But in the magical worldview, uh, what you do is you don't really have any supernatural beyond the natural. What you have is a manipulation of the natural through spells or charms or whatever. For example, in the Harry Potter series, you have witches. And the witches have wands and they have, you know, kettles and they make potions. And by doing those things and you drink the potion and, you know, a person can turn into a frog or whatever, you know, that's magic. And magic... It is one worldview that says you can manipulate the natural. Now, the supernatural worldview is the worldview that says there is something or someone from outside of the natural who actually created the natural realm and the universe and all it contains so much that we can't even see the, the, that supernatural creator created it all. And that in the Christian frame of reference of the supernatural, that that God has a son named Jesus. And that Jesus came to the earth as a man, or more properly, as a baby. And, and it's Christmas when we celebrate the birth of this baby Jesus. And, and the man, Jesus, baby Jesus, grew up to be a boy, I guess, and then a man who was perfect. He never sinned. And he taught with an authority like no one else. And he healed the sick, and he cast out demons, he even raised the dead. But the most important thing Jesus ever did 
was to die on the cross of Calvary to take the sins of us, the sins of the world upon himself, and pay the penalty, which is a death penalty for all of us, so that we could be reunited with the supernatural. And and that's what the supernatural believes. And actually, I don't want to stop at the cross because Jesus rose from the dead, and he went back to heaven, and he sent his Holy Spirit to be in all who believe. And last week I said the reason the magical worldview exists is because those of us who live in the supernatural act like we don't most of the time. Most of the time we say we believe in Jesus, but we don't really believe or live as if the Holy Spirit is in us, as if the power of God is available to his people still. And so we have the natural, the magical, and the supernatural. And in a Christmas Carol, at the very beginning of that movie, uh, and we're doing the Patrick Stewart version, the 1999 version, we have a collision between the natural worldview that's espoused by Scrooge and the supernatural worldview that's espoused by his nephew, Fred. So let's see what happens. I was wondering, sir, if after seven years you'll be removing Mr. Marley's name from the sign outside. No. Time will erase it at no cost to us. Yes, sir. some coal, sir, for the fire. It's going out. Poke it, sir. Poke it! Humbug, Uncle. You don't mean it. I do mean it, sir. Merry Christmas. What reason have you to be merry? What right have you to be merry? You're poor. Well, what right have you to be miserable, then? You're rich. Merry Christmas. Damn your Merry Christmas. What's Christmas time to you but a time for paying bills without money? A time for finding yourself a year older and not an hour richer? Time for balancing your books and finding every item dead against you. I had my way, every idiot who went around with Merry Christmas on his lips would be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. Come, Uncle. Nephew, you keep Christmas in your way. I'll keep it in mine. But you don't keep it. Then let me leave it alone, then. 
I still say Merry Christmas. That's all you do say. Much good it does you, much good it'll ever do you. I dare say there are many things I got a lot of good from which haven't made me a penny profit. Christmas amongst them. You see, Uncle, I've always thought of Christmas as a time for good, not a time for profit. A kind, forgiving time. A time when men and women can think of others. I was never put an extra penny in my pocket, but I believe Christmas has done me good and will do me good. So I still say, Merry Christmas, Uncle. You said something, Mr. Cratchit. No, sir. Another sound out of you, sir, and you'll make this a truly Merry Christmas by losing your job. Uncle, don't be hard on Mr. Cratchit. It's all my fault. Well, you're quite the powerful speaker, sir. Wonder you don't go into Parliament. Don't be angry, Uncle. Dine with us tomorrow. Dine with you? So you're damned first. But why? Why did you marry? Because I fell in love. Because you fell in love. <laughs> love. Humbug. Oh, so you won't come to see me because I'm married? Yes. Well, you never came to see me when I wasn't married. Good afternoon, nephew. I want nothing from you. I ask nothing of you. Why can't we be friends? Good afternoon. I'm sorry you're so stubborn. But I came here full of the Christmas spirit, so I say again, Merry Christmas, Uncle. Good afternoon. And a Happy New Year. Good afternoon. And Merry Christmas to you, Mr. Cratchit. Merry Christmas, sir. So, the conflict between the natural and the supernatural is obvious between Fred and Ebenezer. Fred believes in the spirit of Christmas, and as somebody pointed out last night, there is no spirit of Christmas. There's the Holy Spirit of God in us who gives us the spirit of Christ, of Jesus Christ. And it's because of that that Fred sees that Christmas has so much value, and it's because of the lack of that that Ebenezer says, bah, humbug, about Christmas. And he talks about how Christmas makes you poor. And if your worldview is a natural worldview, it makes sense that if all you want to do is accumulate money so that you'll have security, then Christmas is an expense, and any expense lessens our security. And that's how Scrooge saw it. In fact, Scrooge saw love as a waste of time, as a humbug. Because love is actually from the supernatural realm, not the natural realm. And Scrooge didn't believe that, that his nephew Fred had anything of any value in his life because he was the one who was living out of the supernatural. And so the two butted heads. And the reality is, if the natural worldview is the only worldview there is, then it makes sense to save up everything you have. But that's not how it's done in America through the natural worldview. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but here in America, instead of saving everything, we spend everything. We spend actually more than we have, and why do we do it? So we can have the appearance of wealth. You see, Scrooge was actually wealthy, but most Americans don't save up every coin and penny and nickel and dime that we can. What we do is we charge it, and then we have the stuff that Ebenezer Scrooge didn't have so that we can impress the others. In fact, what's Christmas all about in the natural worldview? That Christmas is all about buying a better present than the other present, because if my present's better than your present, then you know I get some kind of stature before you because I give the best presents. 
And in fact, if we think about all of the movies that we've looked at in this series, we go back to Charlie Brown, and Charlie Brown struggled with the true meaning of Christmas, and one of the things that he knew was getting in the way was commercialism. Remember how he decried the commercialism of Christmas? And we, uh, the second week when we looked at the Grinch, and I know we looked at the cartoon version, but in the Jim Carrey version, what does the Grinch do? He comes down to town at the Hubilation, and he has this long tirade against Christmas because Christmas is only a time for expressing greed. You see, both the Grinch and Charlie Brown had a supernatural view of Christmas. It wasn't something about ribbons and packages and presents and bows. It was something more than that, right? And so the supernatural and the natural worldview are always in conflict. And what will happen is we will always do something based on what we truly believe. I've said many times, people don't always believe what we say, but they always believe what we do. That's because our beliefs form our thoughts and our thoughts form our words and ultimately our, 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 ultimately our actions. And our actions do speak louder than our words. And so how we live our lives every single day, not just on Christmas, but especially at Christmas, is what we really believe, whether it's the natural or the magical or the supernatural worldview. And what we're going to do as we think about Fred and Ebenezer is we're going to ask a simple question. What is the true meaning of Christmas? It's Charlie Brown's question, isn't it? Why did Jesus come in the first place? What's it all about anyway? And the best way to answer that question is to turn to the book that seeks to answer questions like that, this Bible that I have in front of me. And what we're going to do today, we're going to look at a verse. I believe it's probably the most well-known verse in the entire Bible. And, uh, and then we're going to look at the verses after it, which are not as well-known. And the, and the verse that I'm talking about, of course, is John 3.16. John 3.16 tells us why Jesus came. But it's in verses 17 to 21 that we see this conflict between the natural world and the supernatural world coming to a head. So let's turn, if you have your Bible or your Bible app, turn to John chapter 3, verse 16. Probably don't need your Bible for this one, right? But it says this, For God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank You so much. For this one statement, that you love us so much, that you came from outside our world into it. We thank you that as we believe in you, that we have the opportunity of eternal life that starts now and indeed lasts forever with you. And I pray today for each of us in the room here that we would understand what that really means. We would experience it in our lives that we would know the joy that only those who experience the supernatural can ever have. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The key word there is believes. This life that Jesus came to give, this eternal life that Jesus came to give is for those who believe in Him. Into. The Greek there doesn't just mean have an intellectual understanding of, but it means that I commit my life to, that I live into the understanding that Jesus lived and that Jesus died, that He rose again, that He is coming back. And all that He says is real and true. More real and true than anything that we can see or hear or touch or taste or feel. Now the verses that I alluded to that talk about this conflict between the natural and the supernatural worldview follow. Listen to them as well. God sent His Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. 
There is no judgment against anyone who believes in Him, but anyone who does not believe in Him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. So the natural worldview leads to darkness, according to Jesus. Darkness. When we pursue only that which we can see or hear or touch or taste or smell, what happens ultimately is we get jealous of what the other person has that we don't have. And so that's why in the history of the world, in those places where the natural worldview prevails, we have wars and we have murders and we have thefts and lies. Sin is what the Bible calls it. We, we push one another down. You say, well, I have stuff and I didn't steal it. No, I understand. You can gain the stuff of the world through legitimate means, but down through the ages, the prisons have been filled with those who have gained the world's stuff by illegitimate means. And what Jesus is talking about here is if all we see is all we see, then our lives are going to be filled with darkness and not with light. And Jesus said, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for their sins will be exposed. And all through history, people understood that. People understood that when you do evil stuff, you do it in the dark. In, in Ebenezer's time, people understood that you don't steal during the day, you, you do it at night. People understood that if you're going to kill somebody, you, you do it under the cover of darkness. And, and, and when Jacob Marley showed up in uh, Ebenezer's house, notice when it was, it was at night, he had lived his life in darkness. And what he's really saying to Ebenezer is, Ebenezer, do you understand something? What you're doing is wrong. It's sinful to hoard your wealth. And Ebenezer doesn't understand because his worldview says that what he's doing is good. It doesn't take a ghost coming back from the dead to tell us that if you hoard everything you have and never help anybody else, that it's a bad thing. What does Jacob Marley say? My business was not money. My business was humanity. And I missed out on that. And so Jacob Marley explains that. Now, here's the interesting thing. In the last couple decades in this country, people have been doing their deeds of darkness in the light. People don't worry about their sin being hidden anymore. In fact, we've been trying to redefine what sin is, or maybe there isn't any sin. Uh, I, I don't know if any of you saw the Thursday update, but last weekend over at St. Luke's, somebody in the middle of worship services was going through the cars out in the parking lot and taking stuff out of the cars right in the middle of the day. You see, people don't worry about hiding their sin in the darkness. That's a little cue that you should probably lock your car um, whenever you come to worship. Because people don't do their deeds of darkness in the darkness anymore. But Jesus said a very, very important thing. He said this. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. What did he say? I didn't come into the world. Where did he come from? From outside the world. This is a supernatural viewpoint, you see. Jesus came from outside of our world into our world. And why? So we could be saved. So we could have light. In fact, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And so that the darkness could be dispelled. If you think about it, if you go all the way back to the beginning, in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, it's the only place in the Bible, except for the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation, where everything's perfect. And in the perfect world, it says God created, well, first of all, it says everything was dark. And God created the light. And it dispelled the darkness, right? And, and what happened is at the end of the first day, God looked at everything and goes, huh, that's good. 
At the end of the second day of creation, God looked around and he goes, that's pretty good. He looked around after the third day. Wow, that's good. You know, everything God did was good, 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 good. And then in chapter 2, it says there's one thing not so good. And that was that the man was alone. And so God created a woman and there was a man and a woman. And guess what? Every day God came and sat down with them at the end of the day. It says in the cool of the day, that's the evening. God said, hey, how was your day? Well, it was pretty good. You know, we were out taking care of the garden, naming animals, that kind of stuff. What were you doing, God? Oh, well, I was thinking about another universe, maybe create another one, you know, something like that. And the supernatural and the natural were together. It was natural to be in the presence of the supernatural. That's the way it was. And everything was good. Everything was good. And then Adam and Eve were deceived. And sin and darkness came into the world. And that's been the case ever since. God has been attempting and actually accomplishing the dispelling of darkness ever since darkness came in. He came up with the, you know, the law of Moses, which allowed people to have animal sacrifices and have their evil atoned for. That means they were made at one with God through that. But then God decided the best thing to do was to come in and take care of it himself. And that's what he did. In the man, or in the baby, Jesus Christ, he came into the world. And notice in many of our Christmas carols and Advent carols, we use the name for Jesus, Emmanuel. O come, O come, Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. God is with us. And God was with Adam and Eve, and now God is with us in Jesus Christ, and that's what it's all about. And on, on one of the shows on John and Kathy this week, I was listening, I forget, Wednesday or Thursday, and one of the guys was asked this question by Kathy, do you think it's possible for Christmas to become, you know, just so routine because it's every year, I mean, every year on December 25th, we celebrate Christmas over and over, same thing, over and over and over again, and I was sitting in my car and I go, are you kidding? Are you kidding? How could Christmas ever become routine? How could Christmas ever become something that we just go, well, it happened last year, it happened this year, you know, I'm not so excited about it. Because the God of the universe came from outside our experience and came back in. And he became one with us so we could become one with him. How in the world does that ever, ever, ever become normal or routine? In fact, what Fred said, I love what Fred said to Scrooge when they're having their back and forth exchange about Christmas and humbug and all that. And, and, and what does Scrooge say? You don't gain anything from it. And here's what Fred says. I dare say there are a great many things I've got a lot of good from that haven't made me any profit. Christmas amongst them. Christmas brings us so much good because it's in Christmas that good came back into our world. The goodness of God. In the flesh, in the man Jesus Christ. And if Ebenezer Scrooge teaches us anything, and this is our take-home point for today, and those of you who are here for the first time, there's one point that we seek to make, and this has been leading to it. The whole message has been leading to this. That if that it is easy to miss the true meaning of Christmas in a world where the bottom line is the bottom line. You see, Scrooge believed that the one who dies with the most money wins. And in our culture, we say the one who dies with the most toys wins. I say the one who dies with the most of anything dies. And when we die, that's when the question of the natural and the supernatural really hits us. It's too late then, but that's when it comes to fruition. If this is all there is, then I guess accumulating everything we can is all that's necessary. But the truth of the matter is, everything we can see isn't half of what there is. Everything, we, there's so much, you know, 
MasterCard, some things money can't buy for everything else. Most of the things that are worthwhile don't have a price tag. And Ebenezer Scrooge had the great gift of finding that out. I mean, I know it's an it's imaginary guy, Ebenezer Scrooge. He's like the magical. They're real because they teach the truth. And the truth of the matter is, on Christmas Eve, when Ebenezer Scrooge, Scrooge went to sleep, he was visited by three spirits. And he had three journeys. He got to go to the past, Christmas's past, and then to the Christmas that was going to happen the next day, and then the, a, a future Christmas. And as he got to journey with the spirits, in the past, what he remembered was what it was like to be alive. You see, Ebenezer Scrooge was just existing in his current life, but back then he, was, he loved people. He loved his sister, and then, then he loved, you know, he had, a, he had a, a girlfriend. He loved her so much, but the time came, he had to choose. Love, money. Love, money. Money, money. I'll take money. And, and, and in retrospect, as he's standing there in the past, he realizes, ah, I missed it. I missed it because love has something that, that's secure about it that, that money can never provide. And, and he realized from his past Christmases, there were times when he had relationships, real relationships with real people. And that was worth so much more than the relationship he had with his money. And then he came to the present and he found out that here were the Cratchits, the Cratchits who were so poor because he made them that way because he wouldn't pay them a decent wage. And yet they were celebrating Christmas because they could see the things that Ebenezer couldn't see. They could see the life that's truly life that comes through Jesus Christ. And there, were a lot, there was a lot of suffering in their lives and yet they could celebrate. In fact, Bob Cratchit even proposes a toast to Ebenezer Scrooge and grudgingly Everybody does because they realized the blessing they had received from the man, as small as it was. And then this is the key. Ebenezer goes to the future, and it's a specific future. It's the future Christmas in which he dies, and everybody takes his stuff. Thieves take all of the stuff out of his house, and they sell it at a pawn shop, and, and there he is in the graveyard in a, in a grave, and there's nobody there. Nobody cares. Because all Ebenezer ever cared about was money, and money won't come to your funeral. Nobody was there. And then he wakes up. What a gift, because when he woke up, he actually woke up. He realized for the very first time since he was probably a child, there's something more to believe in than in himself, something more to believe in than the stuff that he could see and hear and touch and taste and smell. And he opens up his shutters. Well, actually, in the Patrick Stewart version, I love it because he wakes up and he, he tries to laugh and he almost dies because he's choking as he's trying to laugh because he hadn't laughed for so long. And then he goes out and he opens his shutters. He says, boy, what day is it? Christmas. Christmas. I haven't missed it, he says. And so what does he do? This is the coolest thing of all because Ebenezer Scrooge, when he woke up and he's brand new from the inside out, he starts to realize something, that the best thing you can do with all the stuff you have is share it with the people that don't have any. I mean, that's what Fred told him at the beginning, right? But now he gets it. And so he says to the boy, go buy that big turkey and give it to the Cratchits and don't even tell them where it came from. You see, that's one of the coolest things you can do is you can help somebody and not even let them know you helped them. And you just have that satisfaction, the joy of giving. That, that's part of the supernatural world in which we exist. And then he gets dressed up and he goes out into the street. And the night before, he almost hit a little kid with a poker because he was singing a Christmas carol. Now everybody that's singing, he's putting money in their plates and everything and saying, Merry Christmas. He goes to church. 
He hasn't been in church, I don't know, maybe since he was a kid. And he goes into church and they're singing Christmas carols and he has to get the book to know the words. But when he starts singing, you can see he's singing from his heart. And then he goes to his nephew Fred's house and he knocks on the door and he goes in and says, will you have me? And this is the coolest thing about the supernatural world. The supernatural welcomes everyone who will come. That's what Jesus said. Anybody who comes, I will never cast away. And you don't have to be dressed a certain way. You don't have to talk a certain way. You don't have to have the right password like the world says. You just belong because you exist. God so loved the world, everybody, that he came. And so Ebenezer has a great day on Christmas Day celebrating with his nephew and and the wife and their family. And it's just amazing because Ebenezer now sees what everybody else has been seeing about Christmas, and he's missed it all his life. So the next day he wakes up, and and this is the key question is, what about after Christmas? What's Ebenezer going to do the next day? And we're going to see right now what Ebenezer did the next day when Bob Cratchit comes in 20 minutes late to work. a word with you. What do you mean by coming here at this time of day? I'm very sorry, sir. I'm behind my time. Oh, yes, you are. Indeed you are. It's only once a year, sir. It's only once a year. I was making rather merry yesterday, sir. I'll tell you what, my friend. I'm not going to put up with this any longer. And therefore... And therefore... I'm going to raise your salary. Ha! Merry Christmas, Bob! Uh, Bob. Uh, uh, Merry Christmas that I have wished you in many a year. I'd I'd like to help your family, if you'll let me. I will raise your salary, and we will discuss your affairs this afternoon over a Christmas bowl of smoking bishop, Bob. Make up the fires. And before you dot another I, Bob Cratchit, buy another coal scuttle. My uncle was better than his word. He did it all and infinitely more. And to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew, or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. Some people laugh to see the alteration in him, but he let them laugh, and little heeded them. His own heart laughed, and that was quite enough for him. Come on, Tim. 
It was always said of Scrooge that he knew how to keep Christmas well. If any man alive possessed the knowledge, Come, young man. may that be truly said of us, and all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. I saw you laughed whenever Bob Cratchit picked up that poker. He thought Scrooge had gone crazy. And you know, in the early church, it's very interesting. If you look at Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, people thought that they were drunk. And at the very end of Paul's life, when he gave a testimony before some kings and governors, one of them says, your great learning has turned you mad. You see, when you go from the natural worldview to the supernatural, some people... Actually, everyone in the natural worldview will think you're crazy. But Bob Cratchit experienced the blessing of a man who didn't care what people thought anymore. A man who knew, who could see with eyes, that saw beyond the natural to the reality of God. And I, I love the word that Fred said, that it could be said of Scrooge, that he knew how to keep Christmas well if anyone possessed the knowledge. And I would ask that question of us this morning. Do you and I know how to keep Christmas well if anybody possesses the knowledge? On Thursday morning, let's say Thursday afternoon, when all the presents have been opened and we're sitting around, all the parties are over, what's the thought going to be running through your mind at that moment? Is it going to be, it's over for another year? Or are you already going to be thinking about how you can live into the new year if God gives it to you with the joy, with the, with the life, with the truth, with the, the love, the generosity that only God can give us once we know the real. And, and last week, I, uh, as we were talking about believing and believing in the supernatural, I quoted 1 Corinthians where the Apostle Paul write, wrote these words. And he was actually quoting the prophet Isaiah. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Look at those words. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. We read John 3.16. We all know what it says. It says that God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, will not die, but will live forever. And all God wants back is for us to love Him. That's all He wants. It says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. So God who exists, who has a Son whose name is Jesus, who gives the Spirit of God to all who know Him personally, is promising us that that love is going to be followed up by something that no eye has ever seen, no ear has ever heard, no mind has ever imagined. And all we have to do is love Him. And Scrooge got to experience this much of that in this life, didn't he? He started to realize how good it felt to help other people. He started to realize that he had accumulated so much stuff, so much money, and now what he could do with that stuff was save people. Tiny Tim didn't die. He saved Tim's life. Well, you would say God saved his life. That's true. But God used the money 
of Ebenezer Scrooge to save Tim's life and he became like a second father. Scrooge never had a chance to marry because he waited too long to understand what love is really about, but he had a family and that family loved and cared for him. And and many times in the church, what we realize is this family is more real. It is more real than our biological families unless our biological families are included in them because this family lives forever. You realize if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're part of the family of God, it's an eternal family. And Ebenezer Scrooge became part of the eternal family while he was still living and he got to live it out. And so here's the commitment for this week. I will demonstrate the heart of Christmas by living generously this week. Now you might have thought I would have said, I will demonstrate the heart of Christmas by living lovingly this week. And that's true. But lovingly is sometimes so vague, isn't it? Generously is not a vague term. Generous means I take some of what I have, of what God has blessed me, and I give it to somebody else. And and I'm not talking just about money. I mean, I am talking about money, but I'm talking about our time. I'm talking about our concern, our compassion. There are so many blessings that we have received. And Ebenezer Scrooge finally realized the joy that happens when you open up your purse and you open up your heart and you give. There's nothing like that. And that's why the Apostle Paul told the, the Corinthian church that, that God loves a hilarious or a cheerful giver. Because when we really get it, we start to give cheerfully. And so this week, I'm asking you, not just on Christmas Day when you're giving out presents, but from now until Christmas Day, and especially after Christmas Day, look around. Look around in this natural world, this dark world. What can you do? It's much. There is much that we can do. And you say, well, Scrooge was like a millionaire, so he could do a lot. Yes, he could do a lot. And we might not be millionaires, but we can still do a lot. Because the spirit of Christmas is the spirit of Jesus Christ. And when the spirit of Jesus Christ is in a person, the Apostle Paul says that we will be able to do infinitely more than we can even ask or imagine. That's what I've been imagining for 2015. If Jesus doesn't come back during 2015, what I've been imagining is that we're going to go out from this series, Christmas at the Movies, and we're going to realize what the true meaning of Christmas is, and we're going to realize that we have to examine our hearts, and we're going to realize that we have to believe, and we're going to realize that we get to give, and finally we're going to realize that our lives, our individual lives, really matter. If we weren't alive, it would have made an incredible difference for the negative in this world. That's what we're going to talk about on Christmas Eve. The reason for this series is we know that all that we can see is not all there is to see. And all that we can hear is not all there is to hear. And all that we have understood to this point is a thimble compared to what we will understand when we're in the presence of the living God. So let's pray to him right now because he exists. And let's thank him for all he is and ask him to use us to bless others. Let's pray. Almighty God. We do thank you for all you are, the God of the universe, the creator of all we can see and much we cannot, the one who died and rose again so that we can have life now and forever, the one who gives the true meaning of Christmas and Easter and every other day to our lives. God, today I praise you that you have blessed us so we can be a blessing to others. I praise you that you have loved us so we can love others. I praise you that you have had mercy on us so that we can show mercy to others. And God, today I ask a simple thing, that for anyone in this room who has never experienced that love, that blessing, 
that compassion that right now they would open up their heart and that you would come in. God, I pray that you would come into any heart that has not yet received you. Just like Ebenezer woke up, I pray that everyone in this room who has not yet awakened would be awakened now. And God, I pray for the rest of us, those of us who have claimed you as Savior and Lord, who say we know the true meaning of Christmas, that you would pour into our hearts your love, your grace, your goodness, your truth, your blessing, that it might pour out abundantly to all those around us today and every day you give us. In Jesus' name, amen.